Welcome to the Envision Together, Going to Our Next Level of Best podcast. I'm your host, Pamela Mishana. Join me on this bi-weekly journey of empowerment, where you'll hear hands-on advice from lifestyle experts, educators, authors, spiritual leaders, and many more who will share tips on how to triumph personally, professionally, and spiritually. We explore timely topics such as overcoming anxiety and fear, educating the reluctant student, cultivating lasting relationships, and strengthening our faith. My hope is that the insights offered on the show will help us envision ourselves using our unique gifts and talents on greater levels for greater purposes. Hello, everyone. Today's guest is Carrie Taylor, who found herself in the middle of a messy divorce. But through the process of it, she believes she's made new and she's helping others. Welcome, Carrie, to Envision Together, going to our next level of best podcast. Please tell us more about yourself. Hey, Pamela. Thank you so much for having me today. It's such a pleasure to be here. So exactly like you just said, my story started years and years ago, which I'll give a little bit and get into that. But currently I've become out of the pain of divorce and the healing process. I've become a certified health life and transformational coach. Mm -hmm. And that is my passion and my dream. And I love empowering women to really find their best self and their freedom. So I'm really happy to have you on, Carrie. We'll get right to it. Just tell us how you met your first husband and why did you think he was the one? (laughs) It's a great question. So I married just a few days after I turned 21 and I met him. He had this really cool British accent and long flowing curly hair. And he was a singer in a rock band. I mean, he was amazing. And we met at a summer camp for adults with disabilities. Not only did he look this amazing part and sound amazing, but he also had just a really incredible heart. So it was after that year of working at camp, we got engaged and we married the following year. Uh, He came over and came over from England and we got married and we had a wonderful courting, you know, experience and dating experience. And, you know, I went to England and met his family and friends and everybody was fantastic. So it was just, it was really perfect. He would often like play the guitar and sing songs and write poetry. And, you know, everything was new and fresh because he was from another country and I was from the States and we then, I was in college. So we moved to where I was going to college. So it was just a really neat experience. You know, when you're seeing something through someone else's eyes, it's always so much fun. And so seeing the world through his eyes, it was new. Everything was new for him being mm-hmm. in the States. So so oh. that was really fun and exciting. Okay. Obviously being married to a European is so alluring and that was really exciting. And I was going to college, so everything was fresh and new. He was trying to work. It was definitely challenging because of immigration. So those early years were fun and exciting and adventurous. What were the first signs that something might be wrong? Looking back, I realized within the first year we were in counseling. Even though we both spoke the same language, we had grown up in completely different environments. And you don't realize that, right? Until you live with someone in intimate circumstances that you're so completely different. Isn't that the real test living together? Then it was like, oh man, he 
listens to heavy metal music. I don't listen to that. Oh, oh, he, wow. He, we just were so totally different. He didn't know how to do a lot of things. There was simple things like laundry, for example, or cook. And so a lot of things ended up falling on me and I was going to college full-time and he was trying to get a job, but the INS was restricting that. If you've ever worked with the immigration, it takes forever. And it was a lot of money and he didn't have friends here. So it was just a lot of tension. And of course we were both very young. I had just turned 21. He was 24. And so we were just really trying to figure out like, how do we do this? How do we do this thing? How do we communicate? So you felt like a lot of the burden for bringing in the the money for the household and running the household was falling to you? Yeah, he did work and he did bring money over when he came, but it only lasted so long, right? And then, then we were like, ah, now what do we do? But I think the trouble came when we really started to add more responsibilities to our lives. Like we got a car for the first time, we bought a house, mm-hmm. we had our first child. But I think the big key and the big part to our demise ultimately was communication. So we really did not have solid communication, even from the very beginning. Were children involved? Yeah. So we were married for almost five years and we had our first child. And then unfortunately, we had two miscarriages. And so at that time, we kind of reevaluated and we we started doing foster care. And just about that time, we got pregnant with our second child, kind of the way you get distracted and then your body gets pregnant. So we took a break from foster care at that time. And overall, we have three children, two biological and one adopted out of foster care. And mm-hmm. we did foster care for almost 11 years. And mm-hmm. that was actually a big piece of what kept us together, what kept us running forward because we had a purpose, right? We've got to mm-hmm. take care of these little ones. And they were, you know, little ones were coming in and going and go heading home. And, and so we were just like a unified front for the sake of foster care. That's but, beautiful. Hats off to any parents who take on foster care children, such a big heart and arms to wrap around them. So thank you for that. Tell my listeners and I everything that you want us to know about what led up to your divorce. Yeah. So the communication was huge. We really did not have healthy communication. So if you think about adding all those layers, right, a house, cars, responsibilities, children, and then when you throw foster care in the mix, I mean, they're examining you under a microscope. Mm -hmm. It's very invasive. And so with that challenge, right, we were able to keep moving forward, but it was when we had our last set of foster daughters. Um, I won't go into all the details, but one of the children suffered way more trauma than we had expected. And it ended in an investigation. We were innocent, but the process was incredibly painful. And I realized I cannot do this anymore. Mm -hmm. Well, So again, we were running together to this point. And then it was like, okay, with no more foster children, with no more unified purpose, then it ended just, gosh, it was within six months that here's how it all went downhill. I found out my husband, I had, he was just really distant and I was having conversations with him. Like, you know, do you even want to be married anymore? What's going on? I don't understand. Mm. And finally he said, I don't want to be married. Ooh. And of course. Devastating to hear. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because at that point, we'd been married for 19 years, had all this life together, lived in a state that was far away from my parents and from his family, obviously. And so now what do I do? I don't, I don't have any idea. So he moved to our basement. And so we still lived together, but I fully believed we were going to be back together. You know, that if he ultimately moved out, that would bring us closer. Well, it didn't end that way. So he had moved downstairs by maybe May of that year, June of that year. And by August, I had discovered that I had received a Facebook message from someone telling me that while I was gone on a vacation, my husband was having an affair with this person's partner, right? So this person's messaging me saying, my partner and your partner have been together while you were on vacation. And so I was like, wait, what? This can't be. What what are you talking about? And so that just wrecked me. But what wrecked me even further was when this person sent me pornographic content of this other woman that was all over the internet. I did not know what to do. So even though our marriage at that point was not super healthy, I still was not expecting that my husband had an affair that wasn't even on my radar. And certainly not expecting that he was involved with somebody like that because we we went to church. I mean, he had been on the worship mm-hmm. team for years. We d- did foster care. I was a homeschooling mom. I mean, it, it, it just was not. It on just the didn't fit the picture at all. Yeah. And so I can't even describe the stress of that. <laughs> I can simply say I that can't over- imagine. overnight. My body lost five pounds and I've never done that before or since, but it was just so much stress. So at that point, then I confronted him and he admitted everything. What was painful about his admitting it was that he went into excruciating detail about their time together. When I sat listening, I remember saying to him, I'm your wife. Like, do you realize you're talking to your wife? And the thing is now in hindsight, I realized he had justified in his own mind that we were finished, that our marriage was done. And so therefore he could move forth in freedom. However, mm-hmm. if you think by the law and the promise and the covenant you made in marriage, we were not over. We were still very much married. And right. So- and you said earlier, you were still hopeful mm-hmm. that things might turn around. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I didn't get into marriage thinking this is going to end in divorce, right? I got into marriage trusting that this is forever. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, even though things were hard and challenging, I never for a minute thought that we were going to end it. And, And I'll be honest with you, even after I found out about the affair, I was still in a place of taking him back. It wasn't until my daughter, who at that time was, I think she was 14. She said, mom, you'd better not take him back. And she didn't fully understand what had happened, but we just had such a dysfunctional marriage that she knew, I think something in her knew that we were better off not being together. Does that make sense? You know, it does make sense. And it even reminds me, uh, my mother went through a divorce when I was a child. The gentleman was my stepfather, not my natural father. My natural father died when I was nine months old, but he was the only father that I knew. So I was very attached to him. But I remember my mom telling me that it was actually me who helped her, coached her through getting over the divorce, you know, pretty well. 
She said, I helped her. And what was ironic, though, is I did have some pain myself, but I don't know. Kids are so interesting. I think the way they cope or even try to be there for their parents. But that's what your comment reminds me of that window in my life. So I do understand how how children can arrive at certain decisions or be able to give advice. Well, yeah. And it shocked me. I mean, her response, of course, she didn't want her parents to be separated, but her response really shocked me because she could see how unhealthy things were. She could see the brokenness and the lack of healthy communication. So it ended up that he moved out and moved in with a friend and, you know, the whole process of divorce began and it was a painful process. I mean, it was, it was a process of having to share with our kids, Hey, this is what happened. And one thing I will share is I was seeing a counselor at the time and she said, it's really important for you to tell your children the truth. This has been a break in truth and in promise. And it's important that you share with them honestly, but gently. So here, if, if anybody's listening, I feel like this is an important message to hear and understand. I said to my kids, your dad and I, when we got married, we made a covenant, which is a promise mm-hmm. to love each other, right? And honor each other. And unfortunately, your dad loved another woman the way he was only supposed to love me. And he broke that covenant. He broke that promise. And so then that is a way to explain what happened. But you see how it's so gentle? And I love that you didn't want to trash your spouse to your children. A lot of people through their pain wind up doing that, not realizing that ultimately they're hurting their children too, because your kids are a part of both of you. So it doesn't serve anybody really to go that route. Well, and not to say that I didn't ever have a moment of weakness, you know? You're keeping Um, it real. (laughs) Like it's hard. I mean, when you're sick of going through divorce, it's real hard to constantly think positively about this person who's Mm -hmm. really hurt you, you know? So I'll admit that, but I really did try. And Mm -hmm. even to this day, yeah, I'll talk more about that, but we have a good relationship because I think we do talk about each other positively to our kids and really try to see the best in each other. Cause ultimately we weren't, we weren't a great match. And, you know, we tried to do this marriage thing for nearly 20 years, but we really just were not a good match. Mm -hmm. And so it was just a struggle. Some people have asked me, my process was unique because I had what people have described as supernatural grace. When I went through the divorce process, they would say, how are you not so mad? How are you not like hurting him? How are you not? And all I can say is, God provided me with some super natural sense of grace and that that washed over me and stayed with me through the whole divorce process but it started the moment we talked about the affair when I when I confronted him I can't even describe cuz my previous self would have torn him to pieces but yeah. in that moment there was just some kind of grace so thankful for it. Um, I've had moments like that. It it wasn't pertaining to divorce, but I do believe God has certainly carried me through windows and helped me contain myself because of really my relationship with him. He just he just swoops in and helps us in that moment. Amen. <laughs> amen. Amen. So that was really key for me to get through this the way that I did. And and I'll tell you, the next step for me then was. You know, we had to work through all the logistics 
But the next step for me was forgiveness. Ultimately, I did not want to hold on to resentment, bitterness, anger. I had had a lot of that in our marriage. I was quite disappointed in our marriage, and I did not want to carry on holding on to that. So for me, this process was a process of continually bringing it. Now, this was a process of faith for me, and I know not everybody is a person of faith, but Mm -hmm. for me, it was bringing it before the Lord and saying, Lord, I don't want to hold on to this unforgiveness. I don't want to hold on to this anymore. I want to let this go. I want to be at peace with my soon-to-be ex-husband. I want to be at peace with his new partner. Like, I don't want to hold on to this. Yeah, because unforgiveness is like a dark cloud following you, hovering over you. It's just over you. The other person could be moving on and they have, you know, bright skies above. (laughs) Such a good point. It's like the picture of Eeyore in Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And the thing is, I just, for me, the process was just asking every day Mm -hmm. until I finally had breakthrough. And it was a sense of feeling, I guess. So it was for me, it was, Lord, please help me to forgive this person. And, you know, that day I'd go about my merry way and I wouldn't feel anything the next day. Lord, please help me to forgive this person. Nothing would happen. But there was one day where, I mean, my heart was contrite. I wanted this. And so Mm -hmm. there was one day when I finally like, Lord, please help me to forgive this person. And as I'm going about my day, I just felt a sense of lightness, like a burden was lifted from my shoulders, if you will. It was like, huh, it's done. Like, I don't feel that I felt before. Do you have an experience like that? Yeah, I can relate to that actually in in many different circumstances across my life. But what I can really relate to is just you're praying for something, you're believing God for something. And then, and it seems massive at first, like this big mountain you have to move. And then one day, suddenly it really is just over. And The guide for me to know when I'm really over something is what I call it is peace. All of a sudden, Mm -hmm. I have peace about it. And I'm not, like you said, that dark cloud (laughs) hovering over you. And you know it's real because you can't fake peace. Either you have it or you don't. You're so right on. And there's these, like, like the thoughts aren't attacking you every minute. And you're not constantly going you're you're not replaying all of it in your mind anymore. Yeah. It's, it, I love that word peace. It's just there's a calmness, a reconciling if you will. It's yeah, it's totally peaceful. And so for me, that was the process. But the thing is, I was able to forgive ironically my ex-husband and it was really relatively quick within a couple of months. But the other woman was a very different story. And I think for me with mm-hmm. her I thought, you're a mother you were in a relationship. You you didn't just do this. You did this to another woman. And I feel like we have a sisterhood as women and we should be looking out for each other. And I don't know, for whatever reason, it's just, I felt so violated by her. I'm certainly not making excuses for her or her behavior, but one thing I've certainly learned is that people are responding from their own experiences and background. When I see people do things that really doesn't make sense of why you would do it, why you would hurt another woman. I can speak and just say that I think it's coming from a place of their own pain somewhere. Their own something in life has has not taught them those values. 
we don't know her background and experiences that would cause her to to get to this point. So in a nutshell, what I'm saying is no young girl when they're born says, you know what? I'm going to grow up and what I want to be is an adulterer. I want to be someone who breaks up someone else's marriage. What I can say though, is that I think after processing this and sharing it and, you know, my relationship with my ex-husband and his partner is that she had experienced a lot of past hurt. And I also think Mm. that she thought, you know, based on what my ex-husband was telling her that our marriage was over. Mm. And so that gave them permission. Unfortunately, from my perspective, that was not the case. (laughs) So, Mm. you know, for me, I felt very violated, but she could have. That's a common thing too, that I've heard across the years that sometimes men, whether they really plan on getting out of the relationship or not, they might tell some men, of course, not all men dealing this way, obviously, but some men that are caught in a situation like this, they tell women, I don't love my wife anymore. I'm going to get out of the marriage. I'm going to divorce. And a lot of women fall for that. So Mm -hmm. I think we've touched on a couple of things. Hurting people hurt people. And sometimes people are lying too that manipulates people's feelings. But again, I'm not I'm not trying to take away from the fact that she was completely wrong in what she did because even as she learned the truth of the matter it seems that she she stuck with it. Uh, yeah, I mean, let's be honest. I went on a vacation. We were very much married. It was very clear we were married and you know, they consummated that relationship while I was gone. So, I mean, there was definitely deceit. There's no question. And so I think that for me it was really hard to forgive the other woman, of course, because, and it's, it seems silly to some point because I think, well, your husband, he was your husband for 19 years. And for whatever reason, the woman was the harder one for me to forgive. I can't say why exactly, but I will tell you that forgiveness did come. And it was the same process for me. It was that asking every day, I want to forgive. I want to forgive. And there were lots of tears. There was lots of Mm. crying out like, ah, this isn't fair. I didn't ask. I'm so proud of you because that, that takes a lot of strength, a lot of will to want to move past it. So kudos to you. That's a heart-wrenching experience that you've shared with me and, and to my listeners. And I just wanted to acknowledge that. um, I appreciate that. For you to even desire that. Because some people get stuck in the resentment for life. Well, and let's speak to that for just a second. For me, I I just, I didn't think about the long term. I wasn't thinking, oh, those women who are holding on to this five years from now. I just thought, I do not like how I feel with the weight of this and the burden of this. I need to let this go. Mm-hmm. And it just goes along with what you're saying about the cloud. I mean, I think of forgiveness as this toxic goo mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. really is poisoning me. It yeah. wasn't poisoning him. He could care less. He had moved on. But I was, you know, if I'm sitting there going, oh, he's such a terrible human. It's just, it's just poisoning me. So can you tell me a little bit more about, did this situation create in you any anxiety, fear? Did you wrestle with any emotions like that? I touched on that with a previous episode. And I'm just curious that in a situation like this, did you have any emotions like that? Oh, yeah. It was like, oh, goodness. Yeah. 
So when we separated, I was just turning 40 and, oh man, I'm thinking I'm 40 with three children. I live in a state away from my family. I don't have anybody. And we hadn't lived in the state for very long. Can I just say, you said back then you had just turned 40 and to me, you don't even look 40 now. It's your heart. (laughs) You're so (laughs) kind. Anyway, keep going with that. <laughs> so, um, so the thing is, it was like turning forty, having three kids. I mean, I was a homeschool mom. I had stayed at home for most of my adult life. I didn't have a career. Thinking, mm-hmm. what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Where am I going to live? How mm-hmm. are we going to do this? You know, because we were a one financially uh, one household. One person, you know, was funding our house. I wasn't making any money. So it was like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to survive? Who is ever going to want this washed up woman Mm. with three kids? There was so much of that. Mm. All the questions. You know, I think as a woman, our brains, we're such planners. We, our brains go 20 miles down the road. (laughs) You have to say, okay, wait, come back, come back, come back. Let's just take one, one step. And then the next step. One step. I love that. That's all that's required. Just even one baby step. Yes. I was thinking way out here, you know, (laughs) 20 years from now, but really all I needed to think about was, okay, I don't even even have to think about this afternoon. I just need to think about in this moment, what's the next thing I'm going to do? Okay. I'm going to make breakfast. (laughs) I love that. Cause it goes to, it goes with the title of this podcast. It goes with this podcast envision together going to our next level of best. And sometimes our next level is just a small baby step in the right direction. That's ultimately going to get you leaps and bounds to another level. And I I just want to speak to that a little bit further because I distinctly remember when I could start to plan out a week. Like it was literally Mm -hmm. step by step, hour by hour, day by day. (laughs) right? Then it was like, I remember when I could actually make the plan and I was like, okay, two months from now, I'm going to book a camping trip or one Mm -hmm. month from now I'm going to make this. And I could do that. I remember feeling like this is a huge achievement that I could do. There was a few years back when my brother passed away, I experienced anxiety to the extent that I just... I remember telling myself, Pamela, just get out of bed. You can do it. Just get out of bed. And listening to you saying that, and those are very small wins, but they're wins. So when you asked me, you know, what, what kind of anxiety and things, fears, all of it, but I think you, you have to put the fears aside and just take it moment by moment Mm -hmm. until you can take bigger bites ultimately. And, you know, I I love this and my kids are so funny. They'll say, Oh, I know mom, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. One bite at a time. So Carrie, I thank you so much for sharing your story. But before I end each episode, I have committed that myself or my guests or both of us will leave our audience with one gem. So I'm going to ask you, what one gem can you leave with my listeners who may be in a tough situation now in their marriage? or facing the possibility of divorce, or maybe they've already recently divorced, what can they do to get to their next level of best following divorce? So I really think the key here is forgiveness and letting go because from forgiveness, so much can flow out of that. So 
just that other woman, I did forgive her. And I had a chance to meet her in person and forgive her and not only forgive her, but pray for her and bless Mm. her. And in doing that, now he, uh, my ex-husband and the other woman, they're married. So now she's stepmother to my children. Mm. And I couldn't be in this place of peace with having my children there at their home if I hadn't forgiven. Right. You Mm. know, as I listen to you, I can hear listeners saying, "Mm, I'm not there yet. I like that you shared that it's just small steps at a time and realizing that it's hurting you more than it's hurting them. And the thing is, the forgiveness is going to allow you to move forward. So even if you're not there yet, again, it kind of comes from that heart place. Like, do you want to forgive Mm -hmm. or do you want to hold on to bitterness? It's really a decision that you have to make right? and then allowing time, but also positive intention to say, I want to forgive and I am going to release this. And here are the steps I'm going to take to do that. And knowing your why behind it, it's not about, oh, I'm going to forgive them because I want their lives to be so great. Uh, Hopefully you can reach a point like that too. But initially it might be a selfish, I want to forgive. I want to forgive because it's too much toxic Mm -hmm. energy inside of me. I want to forgive because it not forgiving hurts my children because they can pick up on that energy. And I think you got to come up with a why that's maybe even, it could be about you, but I, I think bigger than you too, especially if kids are involved. I know certainly in my life, my why getting something done that was tough in my life, my mm-hmm. motivation was my daughter. I'm going to leave this with one little question. What beautiful thing could bloom for you as a result of forgiving? Well, thank you, Carrie. We're just going to leave it there. That's a perfect (laughs) ending. Well, friends, thanks for joining me for another episode of the Envision Together going to our next level of best podcast. I hope today's topic inspired you to envision a brighter future getting to your next level of best and to urge others to reach theirs as well. If you are encouraged by today's episode, subscribe and share it with your family and friends. Also, please write a review. It will help me to reach a wider audience with a message of hope and inspiration. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and share your thoughts about today's episode. Until next time, envision the future you want to see.